0: Salita Stories and Casita Chronicles. This is
1: Bianca. Hey y'all, this is Hasmeen. So Bianca, how are you doing this fine Wednesday afternoon? I am
0: doing well. I don't even know what I've been up to. Just like working, going with the flow, really trying to strategically think of how we're going to spend summer and have summer, kind of the work that we do during summer support, HLA and initiatives for the 2020-2021 academic year so
1: in my mind we're already like in mid-June I mean with the way time is just flying by it's, it's like going slow but like fast at the same time so we're basically there essentially oh yeah about to welcome in a new a new incoming class what, what year would they be 2024 Four. one of them yeah we'll go yeah. those that are starting in
0: summer b right or yeah also fall yeah yeah Twenty twenty four.
1: there it is how about you how have you been i've been good trying to finesse summer a little bit i got some classes from my, my program my master's program i have to do like hours so you know working with you on on, on that and just like with my program and stuff but so far so good i, I don't really have any any complaints or just you know making do with what we have and making it work because in the end you got to work with what you got there's no other way but up right right and the grind don't stop yeah keep going Truly. especially in school I feel like it was like you end one term and then boom you got like summer class or you know just kind of like it's all about getting to graduation you know at a certain point
0: true and I think like while you're in it you're like oh my gosh it's taking forever But then when you look back at the grand scheme of things, you're like, oh my gosh, four years, three years, whatever passed by so quickly.
1: Mm -hmm. In the end, whenever something's like, maybe I'm feeling some type of way about something, I'm like, you wanted this, Like, You know, like you applied for this, so you got it. So now you got to just push through, get the degree, walk, and you're God. Like you go about, (laughs) you know, then getting a job and stuff. I think hey, when yeah. I was in
0: grad school, one of my hashtags was like, has masters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel that totally. <laughs> well, I mean, I think talking about education and how sometimes we can feel some type of way about it. But I think also given that it's graduation season, um, UF, I think graduation season is a little bit earlier and kicks off graduation season all over the country. I think with that it's important that we talk about being educated and Latinx and how many people who identify as Hispanic Latinx are within the higher education system and what that looks
1: like for our community. I agree I think that's a good thing. I I mean I'm trying to look back kind of yeah because I think a lot of when, you, when you're, like, applying to college, right, it's kind of more like, oh, like, you're excited. You know, it's maybe seeing where your friends are going or, like, seeing the programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially, like, coming to UF, I was like, oh, I wasn't really looking at the demographics, you know? I was kind of just like, it's UF. It's going to be great. And then now, like, talking to some students sometimes, too. I feel like UF is better off than some other schools in terms of, like, at least, like, Hispanic Latinx population, right? Like, where the numbers mm-hmm. are there, I think. We're, like, hit, like around 14% at this point of, like, the student population. But, like, some other schools talking to some of my friends, like, like, fam, we ain't really out here. And I'm like, but, like, you know, for some schools, it really is just you don't see yourself in different areas. But we Mm -hmm. are here. (laughs) Like, you know, we're present. People are getting degrees. But it is a fact, though, that, like, in terms, like, nationally, compared to some other groups, um, like, Latinx folk aren't getting – Um, as many degrees as like some other groups what would you attribute that to well I always do I was doing some reading you know and so (laughs) PVA kind of had like a little spotlight on like they have a news hour type of page and Mm -hmm. so they were doing a spotlight spotlight talking about like how more Hispanics are going to college and graduating but the Mm -hmm. disparity still exists between Um, like Latinx and also like Black students versus like Mm -hmm. some other, like, you know, like Whites and Asian students. And so one thing that they kind of talked about was the fact that like campus climate plays a role in um, the like student success of minoritized students. So this includes like Black, Latinx, but also like Native American or American Indian students. And so kind of just like how whether it's like different programs so like a programming that specifically for um, like those populations having staff and faculty that's more diverse and like students could kind of see themselves in as well as the presence or lack of like cultural programming for different groups are all things that impact the success of students especially like the ones who aren't you know that there are some achievement gaps for um, different things uh, but also when students are looking at schools to apply to. They're looking at like, what is kind of like the breakdown? Is there kind of like a community there that I will like be able to find um, when I go to that like campus? So schools are kind of becoming more aware that, you know, like this is something as like already are like the population is Hispanics, you know, we are, we've talked about um, in a previous episode is growing. And so mm-hmm. that also has led to like an increased enrollment. Um, in colleges. So a lot more like colleges are kind of looking at trying to address those achievement gaps through trying to institute different things on their campuses, whether it's like leadership programs, mentorship programs as well, and also like the culture programming. So I think that's something that we could probably, you know, we're within FCDA at HLA. So we're kind of like part of trying to create like a, so we recognize trying to create like a space for students and trying to support them kind of in that success aspect as well.
0: I also wanted to ask you a little bit about kind of your experience when you chose your master's program because I think that, so for me as an undergraduate, I was just trying to go to college. I wasn't looking at what the experience was gonna be like for me as somebody who identifies as Latina, And I had no idea just kind of like what the importance of that would be until I actually got a little bit older and went into my master's. And then now, as somebody who was like job searching twice within a year, that was something that was important for me in my job search to know the demographics of an institution. So for you, did that play at all a role kind of? in your decision to stay here at UF and how many students identified as Hispanic Latinx?
1: I think for me I think this may be something that we touch on a little bit in the episode like later um in this episode but yeah I think due to my experience as an undergraduate here my first year like I came into UF at like a weird time it was like 2016. There was like different things going on on campus that wasn't didn't lend to like the best most welcoming environment for like a little freshman right that was kind of first time away from home um, trying to figure it out and so and, and one of the things that really did help with my freshman year because there were certain times that I was like I don't know if this is it like you know like UF I don't know like maybe I was like it's always been kind of UF I'm like but well, maybe maybe I made a mistake but then I kind of found within HLA they had a program called Leap, which is kind of like the first iteration of what we now call Podemos. And so mm-hmm. I joined the spring semester of my freshman year. I got a mentor, um, you know, kind of get to, got to meet people there. And I really like attribute a lot of me staying, but also like, so, like you know, graduating from you through participating in that program and really finding like people there. So I kind of, I continued being a part of it in, a, in different ways throughout my undergrad. Um, I hadn't initially considered, like, um, I knew a master's degree would let me get paid. You know, in my head, it's like, master's degree equals more money, like, when you're looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, like, really hesitant at first. And I'm truly, to this day, I couldn't tell you exactly why. I think it's also because I finished my undergrad in, like, three years. I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe a gap year. I don't know what I was going to do, like, what I thought I was going to do during then. But it was really through... A mentor I got from Leap. Her name's Karina Vado. Love her. If she if she's out there, if she ever listens to this. Love you, Karina. You're the best. Um, <laughs> but she was the program coordinator at the time of. Uh, she was the program coordinator during Leap, also when he transitioned to Podemos, and she's like, like has me like you like this type of stuff, right? I'm um, like, what do you mean? She's like working with students, like doing programming and stuff. I'm like, yeah, like you know, I like trying to help people out, um, especially like since that's kind of what got me through. And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, you know, there's, like, a master's program. Like, there's a degree that could kind of set you up to work in these type of things and, like, working with college students. I'm like, bet. Like, I truly, I know people work in college, but I never thought about, like, oh, what's the degree they had to get to, like, have these positions? So she kind of pushed me in the direction of looking. Um, And she's like, yeah, make sure you look. But I, like, chose UF in part because I was kind of more familiar with it. And it was, like, in-state and, like, compared to other programs in-state, I'm like, UF is probably, you know, there were just different things um, that kind of when I was looking at it, like, financially-wise, it was just a smart choice. But also, I think something, like, talking with some of the other people in my cohort, a lot of students are sometimes hesitant to go to, like, a PWI, especially, like, in this field because our cohort is pretty diverse, I would say, compared to some past ones. But talking to people or prospective students who kind of were asking questions for the next cohort, like, I don't know, like, looking at the other people that were prospective, like, I don't think this really fits. They're like, why did you choose a PWI? I'm like, because I know, like, that's probably where I could have more of a, you know, like, I feel like the impact could be maybe felt a little deeper um, than somewhere where there is a little bit more of a community for different students. So it was like, you got to pick your battles. And so I think for me, it was kind of, pit, that was like a battle that I chose because it's one that I've already kind of been through, right? In undergrad. So I'm like, let's see what, let's see what, you know, UF, what, what more can I learn from this type of environment overall? But yeah, that's kind of, when you were choosing your, because you got your master's degree from A M, right? Yes. What, what impacted you? <laughs> How was that experience? <laughs> Tell us about your your journey be out there.
0: So for me, um, I'm from Oregon, that's where I got my bachelor's and Oregon State is very much a PWI. However, on campus we had cultural centers and the cultural centers, um, there's like various cultural centers. So it's kind of similar to Casita and the IBC, except it's not, it's like a house. So when I was there, it was an actual house. And they have various ones. So they have like the Black Cultural Center, Asian Pacific Islander Cultural Center, the Centro Cultural Cesar Chavez, the Pride Center, the Women's Center, the Native American Longhouse. And then I think recently they've added, like, I I don't know the exact name, but it's for um, students who identify as like Arab or like Middle Eastern. So that's seven different centers on campus, which is kind of unheard of at other institutions, but I think those were the places where I really thrived and where I was able to find my community. So I ended up working at the Black Cultural Center as an undergrad and had connection within all of the people that worked in these different centers. And I mean, those are still some of my like really close friends. Like I was in Seattle in January, February, and like one of the people that I met from there, I was like, hey, I'm in Seattle, like let's hang out. Um, so one, relationships are important, but I knew that that was something that was important to me. And so when I was searching for graduate schools, first I looked at what schools have this program. And my, my cousin actually helped me find some schools in Texas because I was at Texas at the time and I wanted to stay there. And there was three that kind of uh, came to the forefront. They were Public institutions because I kind of feel some type of way about private institutions just because they're so expensive and I mean I always success was successful in public institutions so I was like okay like I don't understand what the extra charge is for now I do now that I understand like higher ed finances but one of them was very research heavy and I was like yeah I don't think I'm gonna go to that one because at the time I wasn't very interested in research And the other two, I was in love with one that was a Hispanic-serving institution. It's what is called a majority-minority institution. So 51% of the students at that institution identify as people of color. And then the other one was a PWI. But luckily, what I did is that I had kind of interviews with the different programs. So I went, and this was not the program of like after I had submitted my application already I actually like did some research I connected with the people who were the heads of the programs and one of them is actually like here now KPP, KPP. So, I met with them and I met with some professors and I was totally in love with the the HSI was Texas State I was totally in love with Texas State and I was like okay this is where I want to go but you never put your eggs in one basket just because I'm paranoid like that so when I went to a and and kind of um, met with them, like they took time out of their schedule. I got to sit in on a class and I was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna apply, just put my name in. So after I applied, I then they call you in for interviews where you interview for like a job, but then also to be a part of the program and you do like a writing sample and just different stuff, get to know more about the campus, the program, the people, the professors, faculty, all that stuff. and. I remember I, I spoke with one of the professors and, you know, they said institutions with a lot of money have a lot more opportunity. And, you know, I feel like we're always taught that you're not supposed to think of money and money is not supposed to be something that you value and like put importance into. However, um, I then I ended up getting into both programs and I ended up finding out that Texas State would not pay for my tuition, whereas a and would. And that was something that really, I knew that a and was a very conservative PWI and that that might be something that I would have to deal with. However, in my mind, I was like, I've been at a PWI before, I can do this again. It's only two years, like I got this. Little did I know that there would be a lot of like trauma. I call it a traumatic experience because there was a lot that was going on in the world at the time. So I started my graduate program in the fall of 2016 and then I finished in spring of 2018. And just within those two years, there was so much that happened that I think really just opened my eyes to how much state politics really does impact institutions and that institutions do not work in a vacuum that I was not used to. But also along with that, something that I didn't consider was, I think, identity in terms of like in Texas, People do identify as Hispanic Next, but then people also identify as Tejanos, and there's also, there's like a lot of politics within how you identify, and a, and it's based on like whether you speak Spanish or not, it's based on like how close you live to the border, it's based on how many generations your family has been in Texas, like all of these different things that I hadn't experienced in undergrad that I was now kind of coming into in terms of the politicization of what it means and like who identifies as Hispanic/Latinx, so like there, I think the um, the population of Hispanic/Latinx students at AM is bigger than here. However, there is no La Casita, um, there is no specific like HLA office. There is a Multicultural Affairs, so like an MCDA, but not anything specific to our culture, our community, which was very hard for me coming from a place that had an actual center and knew how important that was to my um, identity, my education, and so I had to dig a little bit deeper to find my community, which uh, I had joined a sorority in undergrad, and there was a chapter at AM and that was kind of where I got my fix, but I remember there, and I was the only Latina in my cohort, and I remember I had to reach out to the cohort above me, which had three Latinas, and pretty much I messaged them and was like, help, I'm feeling very lonely, I'm feeling some type of way, like it's really hard to be here, can we grab lunch or can we grab dinner? And luckily enough, they were very gracious and kind of like adopted me into their group, but well, and like we made our own group, right? To where we then, supported each other, but then also checked in with each other. I think helpful to my success in graduating from graduate school, but they were there for one year. um, And so the second year I kind of felt like it was me, myself and and I, and I was like, okay, I'm halfway done, no turning back now. So I would say that that was kind of my experience and why I still chose a PWI Um, at the end of the day, because there are kind of these external forces, which for me was finances, I didn't want to go into debt anymore. But I think that we as a community, you know, we find or we create our own space, right. And I think that that really speaks to our resilience, to our strength, and to our humanity, right, to where there might be these external forces that are telling us like, don't belong here you shouldn't be here you're not smart enough like all of these things and still with all of that happening we still manage to graduate and we still manage to be successful and use these tools that we learn and these tools that we bring with us right because like higher education didn't teach me to be resilient higher education didn't teach me to be strong like i carry that within if y'all know epigenetics within like my DNA I learned that from my family I learned that from like my grandmother my mother my dad and just like I mean women of color are gonna like save the world but you know all of these people that I come from so yeah I might have just taken up a whole bunch of space but I think that that I think speaks a little bit more to our resilience and just Latinx people in higher education, more than these deficit, like lenses
1: that a lot of times we're thought of within. Oh yeah, I I think something that sometimes, like, you know, from different like readings that how to do the classes and other things, like sometimes when um, talking about like why, like, maybe, like, regarding, like, enrollment rate, also, especially, like, retention. Some, like, studies or stuff would be, like, cultural expectations, what could impact it more specifically, like, for Latinx students. And it was kind of talking about, like, how Latinx men maybe seem more like if, um, depending, and this is also, I think it's important to take note, like, this is different across different classes, right? So depending on where your family at, where you live, what the situation is. Um, there's all already, like, systematic, like, systemic disparities, right, whether it's, like, low mm-hmm. income, for generation. So you kind of got to look, there's a lot of compounding factors for every individual person. So for some of these people, depending on, like, their SES and, like, kind of where their family's at and what they're doing, um, they they would say, like, for some 9x men, like, maybe they kind of going with, like, the cultural expectation of, like, Okay, I'll, I'll do, like, air quotations at this, but, but, like, men being the provider type idea, right? So, like, if mm-hmm. something got to go down, and, and also I feel, like, a lot of things were focus on, like, the family focus for some um, uh, students. So, like, if your family is, like, struggling, then they would be, like, Latinx men are more likely to, like, drop out of school. Let's say if they were going, like, a community college um, or even, like, four-year institutions, they would drop work and then, like, contribute in that aspect. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas some other sources are saying like Latinx woman is more like they're stuck between like two different poles of like things. So like there's like the school pole, but also like a family pole, depending on like, again, different, ex- different expectations, whatever those may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, uh, the this could probably s- ring true for some. And again, maybe not for some, depending on uh, situations. But I think kind of focusing too like on. On those like more of a strength based um being aware right maybe that these are the situations but then seeing at college campuses like what could be done to support you know like whether it's like first generation students low-income students um because like the retention rate for students uh for that next student is like lower but also differs depending on the school um there was like a study that looked at it and so like schools that already have like a higher retention rate and are like kind of top level so like brown I think for the Hispanic students that made had a 98% like retention rate, but it's also because they have a lot of different support systems and the studies like, of course, like also Brown, like an Ivy. So of course, like in terms of like academic and different things, like maybe regarding like overall academic goals could help contribute to like kind of the drive, but they're like, but you can't ignore the fact that among like other Ivy schools, Brown is still doing a lot better than some other ones who like have lower rates. So that kind of then looks to instead of – you have to be aware of the student and kind of aware of those surrounding factors, but, like, what's going on at college campuses, whether it's for bachelor's degrees, um, master's, or even, like, PhDs. I feel like, you know, the number – like, if you look at it, it just keeps filtering down (laughs) regarding, like, I think the higher you go, like, the less you'll probably – the less likely it is that you're going to see someone uh, or, like, kind of relate to someone on that level. I think my cohort – I was, like – again, I was, like, pretty lucky. I love my cohort it is, like, a little more more diverse, and I think the fact that, I mean, in terms of, like, those who identify as Latinx, like, one of the people in my cohort, like, their mom's from Brazil, another one, um, their, fa- like, her family is also, like, um, like, Mexi- Mexican, like, they're like, there's a background, but, like, some of the, the past, I think a cohort above me was, like, two, and the one below, like, they're trying, they're kind of trying to get more, right, um, but I think having, like, that, like you gotta, you kind of lean on each other at certain parts, right? And especially within higher education, some things could be exaggerated, like could just be like compounded again, depend like as a woman, a a POC, you know, like woman, and then you're kind of trying to navigate different things. So you may experience something that someone else in your cohort doesn't depending on their identities. And so you kind of got to vet, you know, just a little bit. I think that's like also a key part of of kind of like the success is like, who can you talk to that may understand what you're going through? Because if you're lonely and you're, you don't really have someone to, like, kind of talk to about that, then that also is going to impact, like, I feel like the the push to go because you have to rest sometimes, too. Oh, yeah. Um, especially in, like, the, like, in certain spaces. It's just you got to push a little bit more. But if you just keep pushing and pushing, eventually you're going to get tired. And then when you get tired, that's when you really – you got to kind of look at who's around you, Call up your, you know, your squad, your, your crew, the people that kind of support you and be like, listen, I, let's just, we need to, we need to meet up. We need to have a chat. Cause right now I'm feeling, I'm feeling this. I don't know what's going on. And that's where you can have those conversations or even like with mentors, right? If you like have faculty or staff that kind of like support you and like how ha- just having like those present, like the presence I think is important. Cause like you said, like you gotta take a, you have to take up this the space, and I think that's why, you know, all my all the the people who are graduating, let's go with their bachelors. Like, they're already adding to the statistic for our, our community. But even so, like, with the people who choose to go to the master's, especially those who would then go to the PhD, I just, like, I always, whenever I see, um, like, faculty or, like, staff, I'm just, like, Thank you for being you and existing and like working you know like working here we love to see it type thing, and I think that's where like the support aspect is like really important for like institutions across like all degree levels
0: mm-hmm. well, and imagine like how beautiful it would be if the representation of students on campus would be the same as the students within faculty and staff, kind of going back to your point earlier about how many students are actually Kind of getting their bachelor's and then master's and PhD and stuff. So there's a graph that I have. I saw it a couple of years ago. I don't think it's been updated, but it's the citation is Romero 2012. But I think it still kind of gets the good point across to where, so it shows, um, it's kind of like from the top down. And on the top it says, out of 100 Latinx elementary school students, 46 will graduate from high school. 26 will enroll in college. Out of those 26, 17 will go to community college and nine will go to a four-year college. Out of the 17 who went to community college, one will transfer to a four-year institution. And out of the nine who went to a four-year institution, eight will get their bachelor's. So that's 8%, right? Out of those 100 who started, 8% will get their bachelor's. And then out of those 8%, two will earn a graduate or professional degree, and then out of those two, less than one will graduate with a doctoral degree. So I think that even speaks to when I was looking at old documents for like casita and like students trying to prove why casita was important and all of that stuff, one of the claims that, or not a claim, but one of the uh, things that they really wanted to see was like a higher representation of Hispanic Latinx faculty and staff on campus. I don't know what has been done with that. I don't know what the numbers look like for faculty and staff who identify as Hispanic Latinx on campus. But I think that that's why, right? Because when you see yourself represented in somebody who has like this position or this role or somebody that's teaching you who you can kind of identify with or see yourself within, that's important, right? Representation matters. I think that that also shows just even like the importance of casita, salita, and just like our positions. I mean, I'm I'm the oldest out of three children. And so like representation for me is like very important because like for my siblings, if I can do something, they can do it better. But then at work for me, like students come in and they see me they might see me at like hlsa they might see me just walking around campus they might see me in all of these different places and spaces but i want them to be able to see themselves in me right to where Mm -hmm. like oh wow bianca is the director of hla like maybe i can do that someday and when and if i become that or do that then like i want to be able to do stuff that i learned from her but then do it better because that's how we make progress and that's how like the future generations grow but i think also to your point that sometimes it can be a little isolating right in graduate school like shout out dr pon juan we had to um do like several things several uh papers on stuff that we were interested in and they had to be like five page papers and so one of the things that i looked at Um, and did some research on was why are there not very many Latinas who are going above and beyond a bachelor's? And that was one of the things that was cited. So kind of feeling isolated within the academy, feeling that kind of their experiences and their interests when they were writing about like race relations were not valued and were not seen as important. But then also not having anybody to like mentor them or to even talk to, right? On those days when things get hard or there's stuff happening, um, politics are huge and not being able to kind of build that community or find that community to which I think sometimes, I mean, that's totally what I felt in my graduate program, you know, to where, because I ended up becoming kind of like the loud Latina who was always like okay cool so like but why like within my community this would impact this way and that way to which I think my classmates were kind of like rolling their eyes and like okay here goes Bianca I'm like another spiel but for me it was very important to like ask the questions and I think towards the end of my grad program I was just kind of like okay, whatever, I'm going to ask whatever I want to ask because I want to learn and, like, find out what's important to me. Yes. <laughs> so I'll ask, in question, I'll ask questions that are important to me. But, yeah, you know, if I hadn't reached out to the group, well, and we call each other, like, las of um, mm-hmm. like, after the drink. But if I hadn't reached out to las of you know, I think that my experience would have been a lot more different, especially that first year when I was trying to, like, find my way But also, even now, we're still pretty supportive, you know, like I send my resumes to them when I'm like trying to get a resume together or and have them like proofread it. Or if I have questions about something that I know that they're really strong in, you know, trying to build that community of other Latina scholars to then be able to find that support. But I think that kind of on the undergraduate level for our students, again, This is why Casita and Salita are so important, but I think even thinking a little bit specifically, this is why Adelante and Podemos are important because with Adelante, students are quickly able to find their community, right? They're able to come in and find people who look like them, who sing like them, who know the same references and the same words and can kind of go back and forth in English and Spanish and have similar experiences so that they feel validated and like, okay, I'm in the right place, you know? But then also somebody who will check on them because I think within our community, that's one of the strengths, right? To where sometimes we might seem nosy, but it's not that we're being nosy. We're checking in on you.
1: Right? Like We care. That's what, we just <laughs> care. want we'll to make sure you're doing okay.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. And so with Adelante, you know, Students come in and they automatically get that community and not only with their peers, like other first years, but then with students who have a little bit more knowledge on what UF is like and um, Kind of things to get involved in that will make them successful or things that they're interested in. And then if even like students who have been here a while don't know, then they at least have a community that they can connect the student into as well. To be able to find those opportunities and those resources. you Adelante was just for fun. It actually has a purpose. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're kind of like going back to something you said earlier, like relationships are important. And I think like something that HLA really does try to like serve as like kind of a connector, right? Like we're trying to connect you in um, kind of for Adelante, like kind of at the beginning, trying to help you kind of transition in. But also like HLA, though we have like, you know, our programs are like Adelante. For the most, I feel like a lot of it's also trying to connect students outwards so they could find like little areas but like, whether it's like um, HSA. So, you know, kind of the different sub orgs that are part of that, um, as well as like, you know, the programming and stuff that they could go and partake in. Um, but I think also with some of like our other programming where we may bring in um, like people from like, I think you did one with the Career Connection Center with Jackie, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just having or like, whether it's a talk, you know, with like Dr. Suarez, um, C.C. or like just different people, and trying to bring in people, you know, from the academic area, um, like the job, you know, like the C.C.C. and the, the, the different spaces, um, where there are like those kind of little pockets, right, or like people who are doing the work. I think that's important for these students also just make those connections because you never know when if you have questions, it's like good to know someone like. What if you want to be, like, let's say your goal in life is that you want to become a tenured professor. You want to be out mm-hmm. here doing the research, teaching the, the ki- you know, the future, uh, like, you know, doctors or whatever it may be. Like, well, I don't know, like, how to navigate. Because I think the academic sphere is, like, very different with different stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's where, like, maybe if they go, like, Bianca, this is, I'm interested in doing this. What should I do? But, like, well, let me tell you, I know some people. Um, that maybe I could connect you with and you could ask questions. Because I feel like, you know, knowledge is power in different areas and respect. So I think just like making sure we're trying to connect students, um, but also like help them connect too with like themselves, right? To kind of discover themselves, especially like spaces that may, that are more like, you know, like PWIs or just spaces that maybe they don't see as many, much of like kind of their community, like kind Mm -hmm. of drawing from yourself. And I feel kind of like from hearing about your experience, right, your master's program, kind of me going through mine I feel like you learn a lot about yourself like kind of through different situations and circumstances um and kind of also honoring that and like being you did you know like so like the seniors who are graduating from their bachelors you did it like the master students who just graduated like they also you know like you gotta kind of give yourself props at certain um times
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just kind of know like you did the thing and I think that's also like important and also I think that piece of of then like giving back is something that, you know, like kind of like Karina has said in the past, also like other people I've talked to, like when you climb, you know, you gotta pull up um Mm -hmm. people with you. Lift as you climb. Lift as you there it is. Lift as you climb. (laughs) I think that's like a key part. I think that's also um something that kinda got me into like this field because it very much is like a space where you can empower and support and kind of just like help people try to achieve their goals you know which is always good I think my
0: biggest thing has always been like I want to try to help my people as much as I can right because and I mean this is kind of like problematic and I remember reading about it in um the book by Beverly Tatum like something along the lines of why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria but if if I have to be the trailblazer to like be in a place in order to then allow others to reach further than I did because I kind of set that foundation. Like I'm willing to do that because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Create access so that future generations can reach further. But I think that for me, the biggest part is kind of giving back to our community because I don't think I remember. I had one professor in undergrad. She was like ethnic studies, Chicano studies 101, who was Latina. Other than that, I don't think I ever had another professor that was Latina in my whole educational time. Yeah. And that's problematic. That is so problematic.
1: I should know you're saying that. I know, like, in my graduate program, there's no faculty that's going to be teaching me that um, is on X, but, like, I'm trying to think of all the professors I've had for undergrad. And truly, I don't think I've had, I think all the interactions I've had with that next staff or faculty has been through some other way, like, whether it's, like, going to a talk or, like, the Samuel Oral history, kind of, um, like, them, like, kind of facilitating different things. That's kind of is I mean, is it crazy? I don't know if I'm surprised, but I don't think I had ever really reflected on that before um but yeah, I know I've had Latino
0: professors like men i I had a couple, but not women.
1: I don't think I've had either. Ooh. <laughs> it'd be like that though I, I suppose, but does it have to be like that I, I think that's like the what we're try try to do so kind of think sometimes like with me right like i I wasn't sure about a grad program. I, my parents had been kind of like trying to push me gently uh push me in that direction, but I think it really just took kind of talking to other people I think looking back at it now, I think in place it was like kind of some doubts. I was like, I don't know if I don't know like why would I why a grad program besides like the money or do I want to kind of go through that? again but I think you know you don't you gotta kind of let the doubts go sometimes and that's where I think talking with some people could kind of help with different you know like those those type of things or those type of concerns especially like at the institution you may want to go to that's also where like again connections networking trying to like talk to people that may have answers um, is like really helpful.
0: I think institutions also though um, have kind of like a responsibility or I don't know if I guess it's the institution's responsibility, but I think that there is a kind of a sweet spot, though, that needs to be thought about more. And when I think of that sweet spot, I think of resources, so a good mix of resources and a good mix of community. Like, this is why I say this. There's research out there that says that Black engineers are more likely to be successful at an HBCU. An HBCU is a historically Black college or university, which means that the majority of the population on campus identifies as Black. And so kind of what I understand from this is that it is because the students can see themselves, the Black students can see themselves represented within their professors within the rest of their classmates, and they kind of build this community within each other, right? Whereas if you are at a PWI, and you are a person of color, and even a woman in an engineering class, you are most likely somebody who stands out in all of your classes, because most of the people within the classes are gonna be white men. And that can be very intimidating. And again, kind of how we talked about like isolating, but also things that you might deem as important, they might be like, why does that even matter? I think also in teaching style, I I used to work somewhere where um, like bias incident reports would come to me or I would be able to see them. And a lot of times it was like, my white male professor said something racist in class. And like, I just had to sit there because of the power dynamics, right? Which can then, I think, do something to you as a student, as an aspiring student, as an aspiring person who wants to do better for this world. So there's that, I think, in terms of like community and community building, but I think also in terms of resources. So I think of, I remember one time I read something that said, you know, I got a full ride to... Um some institution. It was like a big institution, but I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel X, Y, and Z. So like you can throw money at students, right? But if they're not feeling like they belong and they're not feeling a sense of community, they're not going to stay. And I think that that is a reason why, you know, resources in terms of Finances, because like financial aid is important, but also in terms of programming, places like Casita, places like Salita, mentorship programs, programs that have been deemed successful according to like research and theory and like all of this stuff, those things are going to be important, and that that is where it is an institution's um, kind of responsibility to figure out where are we going to put our money to tell these people that they are important to us and that we are going to invest in them and that they are valuable to us. So I think that if a good community can be built and then also the institution through these different kind of initiatives are also adding to this, then I think that that's kind of like the perfect mix, right? Which, I mean, I guess perfection doesn't exist. But I think that something that's great here at UF is that these things are here, right? Like we've mentioned, we're lucky to have Sarita Casita. We're lucky to have a position like mine. And I say that we're lucky because other institutions don't have it, not because I don't think that we don't deserve it because mm-hmm. like these positions should be everywhere mm-hmm. but I think then also with all of the work that like HSA and HLA have done has created also this really great community that's like strong and thriving and that that is what keeps students here that's why people are looking at could UF become a hispanic institution where students who identify as Hispanic Latinx are choosing to come here because they feel welcomed, which I think is important and also great. But then another question is, if we become a Hispanic-serving institution, how will we be serving the students who this money is for? Dr. Vargas, who works here within Latin American studies, did some research and found that institutions who are Hispanic-serving and get the money, usually use the money for things that everybody can use, which then doesn't serve the community itself, Mm -hmm. um, which is problematic, right? And this is research, this isn't my opinion. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I wanna make that clear. (laughs) Um, But you know, like there, I think that a lot of times people wanna talk about like, oh, UF is so bad, blah, 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 in terms of like students, right? Like compared to FIU or whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, but it's very different down there. And when I think of like my experience with Texas State and A&M, you know, I would have maybe had a better time at Texas State in terms of like my, like how comfortable I felt, but then also in terms of my experience. But I would have had to pay I don't know how many thousands of dollars that I would have to worry about now. Yeah. So to me,
1: that was worth it. I don't know know if I could. I think that's a great, those are all great points. But yeah, so you you just got to look at a lot of different things in the end. You know, like you kind of said, like with institutions, they got to, you know, if you value, you got to walk the walk. Um, if you're going to be talking to talk for di- different things and then just like an accountability piece which the students as the voice you know the students have all the voice right um, in different universities institutions so just making sure that um, kind of keeping checking the pulse every now and then in terms of like stuff that's going on um, on campus um, and resources wise and, and all that good stuff but yeah once again we, we out here and we just need to make sure that people know that
0: Well, yeah, you know, as we think about kind of everything with our community and like higher education and then just even supporting each other through, uh, I think that this was a really great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for indulging, Hasmin.
1: We'd love to see it, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think as we kind of talked about success of, you know, graduation and reaching graduation, we can go into our senior send-off segment with an additional three people who graduated this semester.
1: First shout out goes to Austin Felter whose major uh, was in Bachelor of Arts in International Studies with a focus in Europe for his memory he said, my time here at the University of Florida had its ups and downs. I would not trade the experiences I had, the people I met, and the memories I have for anything else. Through it all, I was able to create friendships that will last a lifetime, memories I can look back on with fondness and laughter, and a community that I will always cherish. I think those aspects are what makes coming to the University of Florida so worthwhile because I can say when I look back on my experience here, I remember the kind of kind people that welcome me, the culture, and the Hispanic Latinx community.
0: Congratulations,
1: Austin. Yes, go Austin.
0: Next, we have Brenda Villanueva, who majored in business administration and marketing and minored in professional selling.
1: And our next person that we're giving a shout-out to um, is Catherine Dos Santos, whose major was international studies with a Middle East focus and Women and Gender Studies with International Perspectives. And she also minored in the Arabic language, which is amazing. And so for her memory, she said, be kind to yourself. That's the greatest form of Mm, self-care. Speak on it. I feel like that's a great great little send-off. So everyone, (laughs) in the words, I'm going to quote her right now. Uh, there is a I've got the, be kind to yourself that's the greatest form of self-care today tomorrow any day of the week and that's it but yeah y'all so thank you for tuning in again for another episode you know make sure to tune in for our next one coming out next week
0: yeah every Wednesday Wednesday evening we'll see y'all next time bye y'all bye